0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the In the Press Box podcast. This is Riley Klingman here talking to you this afternoon. It is currently halftime in the Alabama versus Kansas State game, and um, it's just going to be me today. Nate said he couldn't make it today on New Year's Eve, and, um, you know, he's, he's hanging out with his family, but I just thought that I would come on here and kind of talk about some, some, of, the, some of the New Year's Six Bowls, bowl games, there's one going on right now, as I said, Alabama against Kansas State. And then later this evening, we have both of the college football playoff games. We have the Georgia against Ohio State game, and we have the Michigan against TCU game. The Michigan versus TCU game is going to be at 4 o'clock, and the Georgia against Ohio State game is going to take the 8 o'clock window. But before I get into my score predictions for those, those two games and how, and how they have changed since I predicted them last time, let's go ahead and talk about this Alabama Crimson Tide against Kansas State game. So we have the number five Alabama team against the number nine Kansas State Wildcats. And it is currently Alabama on top 21 to 10 at halftime. But let's let's give you guys kind of a recap of how Alabama and Kansas State got these points. So Kansas State would get the ball first and they would drive down to the field to the Alabama 39-yard line, where then again, Will Howard would throw an interception. So right out of the gate, Kansas State has already fallen into a hole. Everybody thinks that Alabama is going to single-handedly beat them and do well, and Bryce Young's going to throw for all these different amounts of yardage. But Alabama comes out, and they go three plays and don't gain a single yard, and they only take a minute off the clock. And then Kansas State gets the football back and goes 11 plays, 38 yards, but they they take up almost five minutes off the clock, and they get a field goal. And then Alabama's second drive, they go six plays, and they get to the Kansas State 49-yard line, and they have to – Punt the football away. And um, the, the real backbreaker for that one was on second and eight. Bryce Young got sacked for a loss of 11 yards by Daniel Green. And that brought up a third and 19. And they just couldn't get a deep enough pass to get him near the first down marker. So Alabama had two drives in the game, 26 yards. And so at that point, if you're an Alabama fan, you're thinking, what are we doing? I thought Bryce Young was Young was our guy. Well, if you thought that was bad, Kansas State on their next drive, Deuce Vaughn, the 5'6 running back, would run for 88 yards on the very first play of the drive from the Kansas State 12-yard line, and they would take a commanding 10-0 lead, and at that point I'm sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, Kansas State is doing well, and I don't think anybody really thought that they had a chance, but let me tell you, Kansas State is a tough-nosed football team, and... Definitely don't count them out with with an 11 point deficit, um, and you guys will know why in just a couple minutes. Then on the next drive, Alabama would go six plays, 69 yards, which is kind of normally what they're normally what they do—a very methodical, easy drive, deep throws. The uh, the uh, big play was Bryce Young throwing a 60 yard completion to Jameer Gibbs to the Kansas State nine-yard line. They would eventually score on third and goal with a pass from Bryce Young to Isaiah Bond for his first career touchdown as a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He wears that number 17, and he honestly, looking at his body and the way he runs routes, he really, really, really reminds me of a Jalen Waddle. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. He is still a freshman, and he's really just getting his playing time going at the University of Alabama. Then the ball would go back to Kansas State, and they would, they would have to punt after three plays and two yards. So, so they kind of stalled out after having two good drives in a row with a field goal and a touchdown. And then Alabama would get the ball back, and, and, and they would once again do what they do best. They would go six plays, 63 yards down the field. Once again, Bryce Young had a deep ball caught by Jermaine Burton for 47 yards to set up first and goal at the Kansas State 2. And, of course, Alabama would only need two plays to punch the football in. That was a touchdown scored by Cameron Latu another pass from Bryce Young, the tight end, for one yard. That was his fourth touchdown on the year. Kansas State would get the ball back, and they they would have a very, very, very methodical drive. An 18-play, 73-yard drive that took up 10 minutes and 30 seconds. Yes, folks, 10 minutes and 30-second drive that was taken up. And um, Kansas State converted two fourth downs on that drive to keep the drive alive. Um, They converted a fourth and one at the Alabama 31 And they converted a 4th and 4 on the Alabama 19. And Kansas State would get a 4th and goal at the Alabama 2-yard line. And uh, Will Howard had a wide-open Ben Sinnott because Will Anderson was covering Ben Sinnott, the tight end. And he tripped. And uh, Will Howard put a little bit too much mustard on it. And it was a little bit too outside of Ben Sinnott, So, therefore, it fell incomplete. And they had a turnover on downs after a really long drive. A drive that you think Kansas State would get some points. And there was ten plus minutes left in the second quarter, and they drove that clock all the way down to a minute in change. And I, I was sitting there thinking to myself, you know, if, if if Kansas State can really punch this in, go up seventeen to fourteen with a couple minutes left, they could really have all the momentum going into halftime. Well, that certainly didn't happen because Alabama would run seven plays, they would go ninety-eight yards down the field in fifty-one seconds. And once again, Alabama, this game has been all about the big plays. Bryce Young would complete another pass to Jermaine Burton for 28 yards to set them up on the Kansas State 34 yard line. And then he would come back the next play. And I'm and, and, and I'm thinking to myself, Kansas State's not gonna let up another big play. Well, they do. That's just what Bryce Young does. And that's why he's that's why he's one of the possibly one of the first quarterbacks that's going to go in the NFL draft this year is because he has that big play caliber ability that just not a lot of quarterbacks have going into this NFL draft. And he would he would complete um, a 22-yard pass to Cameron Latou the play after that. And then right after that, um, with first and 10 on the KSU 12-yard line, he would complete a pass to Jermaine Burton for 12 yards for a touchdown. And Kansas State would get the ball back, but they were just taking you with five seconds on the clock to go into halftime only down 11. Of course, you don't want to run a play there and risk somebody fumbling the football. But um, basically, right now, Kansas State is going to have to play defense coming out um, into this third quarter. So I think what Kansas State has to do to keep themselves in this game is they have to get a stop. That's the number one thing. They have to come out, either get a three and out or force a punt. They can't have Alabama go down the football field again and go up by 18. Because I think if Kansas State goes down by 18, that's a really hard uh, Deficits to come back by, especially against a really good defense like Alabama, and and an Alabama team that is 179 when leading at halftime under Nick Saban. So that's just another stat to look at. And um, um, if I had to guess, I think this final store, score is going to be Alabama 42, just because they scored three touchdowns and really about a quarter they scored three touchdowns ish give or take and i think kansas state is going to get up to 24 and i i think kansas state i think it's going to be the finalist 42 to 24 kansas state is going to fall to the alabama crimson tide in the all-state sugar bowl now folks to get to the games that you guys really want to know about we we have the first one at four o'clock on espn the um The college football playoff semifinal at the VRBO Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. And um, this is – right now Michigan is a a 7.5-point favorite to win this game. I'm going to go ahead and give you my prediction from last time. My prediction last time was Michigan was going to win this game with a score of 35-24 to over TCU. Um, My prediction has changed. It has not changed in favor of TCU. I still think that TCU is going to lose this game. Um. But interesting story about Max Duggan, you know, Max Duggan was in the Heisman running, wasn't even the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season for TCU, and he really found a name for himself. But I just don't think that Max Duggan is going to be able to do enough to get past this Michigan defense. I mean, this Michigan defense did play really well against an an Ohio State Buckeyes team, only allowing 23 points, and they won that game by 22. And then the next week they play Purdue in the Big Ten Championship, and they win that one by 21 points. So Michigan has really made a name for themselves, not only against Ohio State, playing in Ohio, you know, that's a very tough place to play, and Michigan really took advantage of that, and, and uh, they ended up winning that game. And so the the only way that, my score change, that the score has changed is I've given one more touchdown to Michigan, so I think they're going to get 42, and I think TCU is going to get 27. Um, I only say that because, you know, I don't think JJ McCarthy has to have a perfect game per se because TCU's defense played pretty well against Kansas state up until the overtime. And I think that Max Duggan has enough on offense to get the ball to his favorite target this season in Quentin Johnston with 53 receptions, 903 yards and five touchdowns. I would definitely uh, look to see Max Duggan get, get him involved. And then, of course, Blake Corm is not playing in this game for Michigan, so that's a massive loss. But then again, I think Michigan is gonna have a guy that's willing to step up. I mean, all all these college football programs have so much depth that you know at pretty much all, all the positions and especially especially the teams that are in the college football playoff. I mean, these guys go through in- injuries, every team goes through injuries, but these guys are just the teams that have that depth and the these these guys want it. I mean, obviously every single team in college football wants it, but these guys are obviously in the Final Four. And I I think another impact player to watch for TCU is their running back, Kendra Miller. He has 216 rushes this year for 1,342 yards and 17 touchdowns. and He's a junior. So I I would look for him to get the ball and uh, get some rush yards for uh, TCU. And also, if we look at the uh, points per game, it's about the same. TCU is a little over 40 and Michigan with 40. But the points allowed per game is really where it's going to be skewed. And TCU's allowing 25, and Michigan's allowing 13 points per game. And um, Michigan is gaining 453 yards of offense. TCU's gaining 473. TCU is allowing 385, and Michigan is allowing 277, which is really good for being 13-0 and playing 13 games. Allowing under 300 yards is really what you want to see if if you're a Coach Harbaugh. So, again – I think Michigan's going to pull this game out by the score of 42-27. to 27. I just don't really see a world where TCU wins, but maybe they shock the world. Now to move on to the 8 o'clock game, we have the Ohio State Buckeyes against the number one team in the nation, the Georgia Bulldogs, who are 13-0. Last time I predicted this game was going to be Georgia 50, Ohio State 30. And this time I've made it Georgia 42, Ohio State 34. And that's only because, you know, Stetson Bennett did get that Heisman um, finalist bid. And I I, I really don't think he's that good of a quarterback, guys. I mean, he's 25 years old and he's still playing college football. So, I mean, kind of something, you know, there's got to be something there where, where people feel that, I mean, he's 25 years old. He should be succeeding. And I can kind of agree with you. And, I mean, he has 20 touchdowns and six interceptions. And... I really think that that, that that the Georgia Bulldogs defense makes him look so good. And also having having a, uh, having a good run game and a different plethora of running backs you can go to. I mean, the, the, the University of Georgia's number one running back has 137 carries for 709 yards and 10 touchdowns. If that doesn't tell you something about either the passing game or this defense for the University of Georgia, I don't know what does. Because the University of Georgia running backs that have come through their system have been fantastic. you got guys like DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb. I mean, the list continues on and on. I mean, McIntosh is another guy you can add up there. But basically, Ohio State is going to have to put up that that 44 points per game average that they have if they even want to have a chance. And um, Georgia is also putting up about 39 points per game. And Ohio State's average is allowing 19. I think that's a little skewed because of the Michigan game. And Georgia's allowing 12, which is lower than Michigan, which is really good. And I honestly think that in this college football playoff, Michigan is really the only team that has a chance against Georgia. And, he, and, and, and even that chance is slim. And I think that J.J. McCarthy has to play a almost perfect game to beat, to beat a team like the Georgia Bulldogs, especially without Blake Coram playing for him. Um, Georgia is has a total yardage average this season of 491, and Ohio State took, has 492. So they're very close there. Um, Ohio State's averaging a total of 303 yards per game. And Georgia is allowing 292. So that's close, too. So, I mean, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. I mean, I I changed my final score to 42-34, to which is an eight-point victory for Georgia. And right now, they are favored by five points. So I'm going to go a little over that favored amount of points. But honestly... This is a game that could go either way for me. I just am picking Georgia because I've watched them and I've watched Ohio State and, and and Ohio State failed in the big moment against Michigan at home. Georgia has the has the home field advantage, technically, even though it's at a neutral site in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Then again, like, um, I, I don't – I mean – I definitely think people thought that Georgia was going to make the semifinals, but nobody would have thought that they were going to be playing in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl as the semifinal game. And it just happened to line up that Georgia's playing there. Um, I definitely have a little bit of um, frustration for Georgia having such a home field advantage. Um, But that's, that's besides the point. So there's going to be a lot more Georgia fans there than Ohio State, I believe. And uh, then again, I, I just think that Georgia is going to be able to take care of business against Ohio State. And I, I think I think if Georgia's defense needs to rise to the occasion, they will. And that's why I have Georgia winning this game by 8 points, 42 to 34. Now, folks, before I, before I leave you guys, um, the Liberty University uh, football team has announced their coaching staff for this 2023 season – they only need one more spot, but six of these guys came from Coastal Carolina at the conclusion of their bowl game. It took, them, it, it took some of these coaches a couple days to reach back out to Jamie Chadwell, but it just shows you how much of a respected man Jamie Chadwell is, and I'll go ahead and give you the names of the assistant coaches for the 2023 season. Willie Korn is going to be the co-offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. He was at Coastal. He turned Grayson McCall into what Grayson McCall is. Newland Isaac is going to be our co-offensive coordinator and the uh, running backs coach. And both of these guys together, really, really, Willie Korn was the guy that um, did this, but at, at, at some point he had a top four offense in in, in, in terms of the entire nation for college football. And um, I definitely think we are bringing a coach in that has a really good offensive mind, especially for Liberty going in, in into their first year of Conference USA. Um, the Conference USA might not be a tough schedule, folks, but I think that with this coaching staff and hopefully with some more players we can bring in through the transfer portal or through the uh, next signing period, I, I am really, really um, encouraged and interested to see what Jamie Chadwell is going to be able to do with this bunch of football players, especially with this staff that he's added on. Another guy from Coastal, Bill Durkin, he's going he, he to man the trenches for the Liberty Flames for the offensive line. Coach Chadwell has already said that he wants to try and get a few more offensive linemen. He said that there's going to be six or seven super seniors that are coming back. Um, And I think what he was trying to point out is the majority of that, of those guys are going to be on the offensive line. And speaking of offensive linemen, Cam Reddy, a transfer offensive lineman from this past season is going to enter the NFL draft. So that's now four guys that Liberty has had um, enter the NFL draft this year that is Cam Reddy, Dennis Osagade Darrell Johnson and now Demario Douglas so folks we will definitely be looking out on Twitter for other guys that are going to want to enter the NFL draft and as we know Day Day Hunter also hit the transfer portal and so um, but but I definitely think that is good that you know Jamie Chadwell is getting all his recognition from Coastal Carolina and um, it's I mean Co- Coastal is going to have to find guys and I mean this is this is exactly what happened in Liberty too when Hugh Freeze left a lot of the staff followed him, and so this is just how new coaches go. And so to to uh, stop to stop on the rants, um, uh, the next coach is Cody Lad, uh, I believe it's pronounced Ladutko. He's going to be the tight ends coach for the Liberty Flames, and he comes from Coastal Carolina as well. So. All four of those names I just read from you are from Coastal, and now we've hit the first coach that's not from Coastal, Tony Washington, wide receivers coach. He did coach at Coastal with Coach Chadwell from 2020 to 2021. So, yes, he is from Coastal, but he did not coach there this past year. He coached at West Virginia this past year, which honestly bringing in a guy that has that kind of caliber of uh, places that he's been at – and um. I can also give you um, some other places that Coach Washington has been at. He was at Louisville as a graduate assistant. Then he was at Coastal, and then he now he now and then this past year he was at West Virginia, West Virginia, and now he's at Liberty. I honestly would would like to see what Demario Douglas could have done under this new staff, just to kind of vamp or kind of uh, progress his stats a little bit to make him uh, uh to, to to make him get some some more. Um, I don't know, exposure for the NFL draft for the next one instead of going out early. But at the end of the day, DeMario had a really good year at Liberty, so I can understand why. And then uh, Jack Curtis, is, he's, he is one of two guys to stay on the staff. Um, he is, he's going to be the co-defensive coordinator and the safeties coach. Uh, Skyler Maggie, another guy from Coastal, he's going to be the co-defensive coordinator and the defensive line coach for the Flames. Just that, 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 that's what he did at uh, Coastal. Then again, the Flames did lose a really good defensive line coach that, that's in the running to get defensive line coach of the year in all of college football. Jeremy Garrett, who came from the uh, Cleveland Browns, who was the assistant defensive line coach there, he followed Hugh Freeze to Auburn, so a really good pickup for Auburn. Robert Baylaw is going to be the linebacker's coach, and uh, he was a defensive analyst last year for the Liberty Flames. And uh, he's going to kind of step into a new role, so it'll be interesting to see what he does with the linebackers this year. And and, and that's another area of need that Coach Jamie Chattle wants to address. The cornerback's coach right now is really the only coach that hasn't been established yet. So that is TBD, or uh, TBA, excuse me, to be announced. And so uh, Coach Chattell has already talked about getting a couple more corners um, during his um, early signing period press conference after that had happened. Kyle Krantz, th- th- this is really the first head coach that um, – Coach Chadwell hired. He's going to be the special teams coordinator and outside linebackers coach. he comes from the uh, University of Missouri. He was their special teams coordinator. Um, they had two field goal blocks and they had one punt block and they did not allow a single um, kick block or field goal kick block or a punt block. And so, so, so that's some pretty interesting stuff. And then, uh, lastly, Chad Scott is going to be the director of football speed, strength, and conditioning. And he comes from Coastal. And he was with the team last year. So a lot of guys from Coastal, a lot of faces there. And um, I think the only guys that, that you'd be asking a little bit about is, how does Coach Chadwell know Coach Krantz? And uh, let me tell you, uh, Coach, Coach Krantz ha, ha, has really been at a lot of SEC schools. and He has a lot of coaching experience. And um, so in, in 2007 and 2008, he was a student assistant at North Carolina. And then in 09 to 2010 he was a linebackers coach at Northern Colorado. 2011 he was an offensive quality coach for Northwestern. 2011 to 2012 he was a graduate assistant for Kentucky. 2013 he was a Florida offensive quality control guy. And then in 2014 he moved to to the defensive side for that same position. In 2015 he was the Auburn he was Auburn's defensive analyst. 2016 to 2017 he was South Carolina's defensive analyst. 2018 to 2019 he was South Carolina's special team assistant slash nickel and Sam linebackers coach. And then in 2020, he was South Carolina's special teams coordinator and DB's coach. And then from 2021 to 2022, he was Missouri's special team analyst. Sorry, he was not the special teams coordinator. He's special teams analyst. And now he's here at Liberty as a special teams coordinator. So that's outside linebacker. And um, I believe that coach Chadwell and coach uh, Krantz both coached together at some point, just because reading those, the names of those schools, doesn't really show me how they, how they came together. Excuse me, guys. And what I said about the three, the blocking the kicks. He actually, um, his team blocked three kicks during his 2022 season. Two kicks and one punt. So I got that right. And they did not allow a kick or punt block. And Missouri also ranks number one in the country in fewest kickoff return yards allowed per return at 13.64, which Liberty was pretty good at that last year, but. Once again, having another guy that knows what he's doing for kickoff coverage is going to be huge. And then the last thing I'll say about Coach Krantz is Coach Krantz is, is really the number one guy responsible for the, for the development of the defensive back, J.C. Horn, who now plays for the Carolina Panthers and who is having a really phenomenal season with them. He's had, and he's had a really good NFL career thus far. So that's, that's that on the, uh, on the coaching staff and all that sort of thing. As soon as we know who the cornerback's coach will be, we will relay that information to you, but um, as far as the uh, Ohio State games go and all that thing in the college football playoff games, that's really um, it for me. Um, let's see, I, I let's see if there's any um, other games that I could bring your way. Uh, one of the uh, one of the um, New Year's Six bowl games happened yesterday, and um, it was between. It was between Clemson and Tennessee. It was the Orange Bowl. Um, Tennessee actually won that game by a score of 31-14. to 14. Kate Klubnick got the start for Clemson. And uh, Joe Milton III got the start for Tennessee. And he was 19-28 for 251 yards and three touchdowns. And Tennessee really took it to Clemson. Um, and now if we move on to the other couple games that are part of the New Year's Six, we have the uh, Tulane Bowl. And that's between – excuse me, we have the Cotton Bowl, and that's between Tulane and USC. And if I had to pick a winner of that game, I think USC is going to be able to get it done 38-27. to 27. Um, I just think that, you know, with, with uh, Caleb Williams being picked this year for the Heisman, I think he's going to have a standout game, and Lincoln Riley is going to have that USC team playing on all cylinders. Then the next game th- – these games are on January the 2nd, by the way, folks – um, this game is between number eleven ranked Penn State and number eight Utah. That's going to be the Rose Bowl game, and I think—I mean—I think this game is going to be really good. Right now, Utah has a fifty-seven percent chance of winning this game, and they are favored by a one and a half points. And I'm going to go with that one and a half point favorite because Penn State has not looked good at times this season. Yes, that ten and two record can be daunting, but um, I def i, I think that uh, Utah is going to be able to get this done. I think they're going to win thirty-four. To twenty-four by ten, um, but but you know, at the end of the day, this game could be a lot closer than people think, and I definitely think that it's a uh, it's a um, toss-up for sure. And um, so, yeah, folks, that's 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 pretty much it for me on that one. the The only other game going on right now is Iowa and Kentucky, and that game is twenty-one to zero right now in the third quarter with nine minutes to go, and uh, Iowa has scored two touchdowns on defense. They have had uh, two interceptions returned for touchdowns, and um, that 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 Iowa offense is going to need a change, and maybe that change can be Cade McNamara, um, who's who just transferred there this past year from Michigan. And let me just give you an update before I before I leave on this Alabama game. Alabama has taken a commanding lead, thirty-five to ten, over Kansas State. Um, a- Alabama, of course, I said, got the football, and uh, they they went three plays, 48 yards. In one minute and six seconds to uh, take the lead. as Because Kansas State tried an onside kick and Alabama recovered it. And uh, Bryce Young threw a pass to Corey Brooks for 32 yards for a touchdown. Kansas State would then get the football down 18. Will Howard would throw an interception on the KSU 14-yard line. And Alabama would only need one play. Jason McLellan ran for 17 yards for a touchdown. And now Kansas State has the football and they just went... Um, three and out, so they will punt the football away. So definitely not the start to the second half that you want if you are a Kansas State fan. Folks, we will definitely monitor that game. And um, we will, me and Nate will be on next week, and we will give you the final scores to these games. Obviously, you guys will see them, but we are going to give our final scores and our diagnosis on those games, and then we are going to predict the college football championship game for you guys. So, folks, we will send out a little Twitter reminder, Meet myself and Nate. Again, this was just me today giving you guys some score predictions and some updates on things. Folks, I hope you have a fantastic new year, and uh, I hope you guys um, spend some time with y'all's families, and uh, we hope to see you guys next week when me and Nate are back together. Thanks, guys, so much. God bless.